You're listening to the Casual Mancatter on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. We've reached the finals of the T20 World Cup. Who would ever have thought we'd finally bloody get here? <laughs> it feels like it's been going on forever. Not quite as long as the WBBL feels it's been going on for, but still, pretty long time. And despite all of my hard-working predicting and death-riding against them, or maybe because of it, Australia have made the semi-finals. Could you have believed that? England has... Also made it, as predicted. I think everyone predicted that England were going to make it. But not without a small scare from South Africa. India, on the other hand, fell to both Pakistan and New Zealand in their first two games, which consigned them to an early trip home, leaving those other two teams the opportunity to bring further glory home to their country. So let's have a quick look at how the two groups panned out after our last program that discussed how we were going halfway through the tournament. So Group A, I think everyone would agree that both Bangladesh and the West Indies were found out again on the international stage. Uh, Bangladesh, who came in through the uh, qualifying period and had to qualify for the actual Super 12s point, realistically were going in thinking that they could push for an outside chance of a semi-final position. However, once again at a World Cup, they were unable to defeat any of the major nations. And at the moment, that is undoing all the promising work that is being done away from the glare of these tournaments. So we all know that before the World Cup started, they played at home on their low, slow spinning decks that basically allows them to level up to other international competition. And as they showed against an admittedly half-strength Australia and New Zealand before the World Cup started, they were able to do that. And they won both of those T20 series because of it. But in the long run, is it possible that these kind of wickets in their home country are doing more harm than good? Because they're not getting the games that they require on other surfaces in order to be ready for these kind of tournaments. So look, these wickets are fine for home and away series. Uh, you're, you're allowed to prepare whatever wickets you like and and for ODI, ODI series and test series and that kind of thing where you're just playing against another country in a series of three or five games, that's great. You get that benefit from being at home and preparing your own wickets. But when you're going into tournaments such as this, it doesn't give you any advantage whatsoever because all the wickets are the same at these tournaments and if you haven't been playing on them and you're not ready for them, you are going to fall over, which is pretty much exactly what happened to Bangladesh. 
They also lost Shakib Al-Hassan for the last couple of games for the tournament, and any time he's not playing for Bangladesh, they are at a complete loss. So Bangladesh really need to have a good hard think about how they want to proceed if they ever want to get to a position where they can make the final stages of these World Cup tournaments. Because they're not getting... This has shown, once again, that their preparation just isn't good enough if they want to do that. Now, that might be easy to say, given that then they have trouble getting tournaments away from home. Like, when was the last time they were in Australia? When was the last time they toured England? These are the kind of uh, places they need to tour and play on those wickets in order to improve. So it's up to countries like England and Australia to start getting these teams there so that they can improve on these wickets. Uh, The West Indies team featured all of those elder statesmen who had been involved in their 2016 victory, which was the last time the T20 World Cup was held. That's five years, and five years really proved to be a bridge too far for all of these guys. Um, And you have to ask the question now, how many if any of those guys will survive to fight for the same trophy in 12 months' time, which is ridiculous it's being held again in 12 months. But anyway, so all of these older guys, and you know who I'm talking about. You're talking about Gail. Brava has retired. Gail is on the verge of retiring from international cricket. Uh, We have Pollard. We have Narayan. You've got Andre Russell, who, you know, he's still young enough, I guess, to still make an influence, but... All of these guys really struggled in this tournament. And in the long run, they held back a West Indies team who have got some good young cricketers coming through. So on their performance here, they need to have a rethink on the personnel that they want to have in this team and how to utilise them best. So you look at guys like Jason Holder, who was called in late. Now, he mightn't have had much of an influence after being called in late, but if he'd been there for the whole tournament, if he'd been involved in this team all the way through building up, perhaps... It would have been a different matter. Paran, Hetmeyer, these guys, that's the future of West Indies cricket and they need to be utilised better and have perhaps a different bunch of guys around them now that they can lead if they want to go further. On the other hand, South Africa and Sri Lanka both showed good signs for the future. Uh, South Africa may not have progressed to the semi-finals, but apart from that opening loss to Australia and the ordeal over taking a knee, they looked in good shape. Guys like Vander Dussen, Markram, Bavuma, and Miller with the bat. Uh, Nortge, or however you pronounce his name. Rabada, Shamsi, Pretorius, all with the ball. All did really well in this T20 format. So they only lost one game, which is the first game against Australia. And they beat England, who are still the favourites to win, you would think. But they missed the semis by run rate. And that is a very South African thing to do at a World Cup tournament. Uh... They should be in the fight again in 12 months' time. You would think if they can keep this team together and keep uh, improving, then they're going to be right in it again, you know, notwithstanding the fact that South Africa have an interesting record at World Cup tournaments. Sri Lanka, on the other hand, have found some really good-looking youngsters in uh, Asalanka, uh, Rajapaksa, uh, Nasanka, and... Those three in particular with their batting were electrifying and they looked really good. And it was good to see Sri Lanka having some good young batsmen coming through uh, after such a long time, a long period where they have struggled to find them. And on these kind of wickets, their bowling has been satisfactory. So they've got 
Good signs there, not only for T20 cricket, but going forward into the other forms as well. In Group B, we saw uh, Scotland won all their three preliminary matches, but then failed to win at all in the Super 12 stage, uh, which for them must have been really disappointing. Namibia came in and they defeated Scotland, and that was the only game they won, but they performed well. And I think at the moment, you look at it, that with the current level, it's interesting given the ability that Scotland players have to try to play in the county championship in England, whereas Namibia don't really have that opportunity to play in those uh, good, hard, first-class cricket competitions. So at the moment, where would you say they both sit on ability uh, given that sort of reasoning, you would think Scotland should be doing much better than they are. Uh, but Namibia looked really good. So maybe some rethinking there from Scotland needs to come. Uh, Afghanistan, well, they defeated the associate opponents, but they didn't trouble the main three in their draw. And at the moment, their future must be up in the air. We know that their test match against Australia has been postponed. There is an ICC meeting coming up after the World Cup and uh, I'm sure that Afghanistan's continued participation at the top level will be discussed. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. India missed out and that's perhaps somewhat surprising uh, that they missed the semi-finals, but they've had a pretty long year. They've been on the road pretty much since May where they went to England for the Test Championship final. They then stayed for the Test Series against England and then went straight from there to the second half of the IPL, and then they've now played in the World T20 Championship. So is tiredness a factor, fatigue, or they just weren't at the top of their game for this tournament? Did they they not plan correctly? Uh, I'm sure that they believe that there are several factors involved, and no doubt the result will be very disappointing to India players and the supporters be interesting to see what they do, how they approach the next tournament in 12 months' time and how they do things differently leading up to it, maybe to peak at the right time. Maybe there won't be so much cricket and they'll certainly be hoping that the IPL is not played right before it again. So now we come to the semi-finals and England topped their group, uh, but they've had injuries uh, to Tymel Mills and in their last game to Jason Roy, which leaves them in a state of flux as they prepare for their semi-final. Their batting has done the heavy lifting for them so far in this tournament. The bowling was put under pressure by South Africa in their final group game, and it's something that I reckon that the other teams will have had a look at, and no doubt to to have had a, a real good look at it, see the chinks that South Africa found, whether they can also find them. Uh, Wokes and Wood were taken downtown in that match by... South Africa, and it seems unlikely both will play against Pakistan. Wood had only played that one game. But pace seems to work against those teams that aren't used to facing it, and obviously I mean by the, the subcontinental teams and the, and the uh, associate teams. But so far it's been a struggle against the better teams. They have Rashid and Ali as their go-to spinners, and uh, they have Living, Livingston as their support bowler. The loss of Roy will likely bring Bairstow back to the top of the order, which is where he bats for his IPL team, and Sam Billings may be the man brought in to replace him, which would be a handy replacement. Now, there is the possibility that either Tom Curran or David Willey might get the chance as speed-off bowlers who can also hit a few at the end if needed. 
New Zealand, of course, are riding a wave. They've won the Test Championship. Uh, the 2019 World Cup final can't be retraced or replayed, unfortunately. But New Zealand will see this as an opportunity for a small form of revenge for the way that finished. Their batting has been excellent. Guptill, Mitchell, Williamson and Conway at the top of the order have been really good. And they've had Jimmy Nersham, as always, coming in around number six as the finisher. Williamson's elbow injury is a worry, and it'll be interesting to see if the, he can handle that and get through the next game. Southie and Bold have again led the attack, and they have Sodi and Santner as their spinners. And, of course, Adam Mill, who's been the pace aggregate there for them. They've had a pretty quiet tournament, really, in New Zealand, apart from that Indian victory. They haven't really seemed out of place, and they haven't really been seen to be in the headlights, if you will say. But they will need to be at their best to beat England. Um, And on recent years' form, they are more than capable of doing that. I mean, it is no longer a surprise to see them do it. In the other semi-final, you have Pakistan, and they've been the best-performed team of the tournament. But now comes the tricky bit for them. They need to keep performing and not pull a Pakistan and fall over at that last hurdle. This probably does help because they're playing Australia as their semi-final opponent. They played the same 11 for all five matches. Rizwan and Barbara Azam have dominated the top of the order. Their uh, partnership against India was just fantastic and they haven't stopped since. Barbara Azam is an absolute joy to watch bat and Rizwan has been terrific. They also have the experience of Shoaib Malik and Muhammad Hafiz and they've just got Fakhar Zaman ready to explode. Shaheen Shah Afridi is probably the best T20 fast bowler in the world, and Harris Ralph is not far behind. How much has changed since he just got picked in the BBL off uh, Tasmanian grade team, I think it was. They have Imad Wasim and Shadab Khan as their spin champions, and honestly, at the moment, Pakistan don't even look like they've been challenged. So they look to be at their best. Australia, of course, are their opponents. Uh, Apart from the England blowout, they've had solid victories uh, without, again, I guess, feeling as though they've dominated. The batting is still a concern. Like people say, Finch is in form. (laughs) Really? Uh, Warner, he's back. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Uh, Mitch Marsh has been good. Glenn Maxwell has been there but hasn't really jumped out of his skin yet. Smith, Stoinis and Wade may need to be the guys there at the back in the middle order to explode for this team to progress. Uh, Our three pace bowls have done enough so far and they've been unlike, I guess, other teams. The pace has really been the dominating factor for Australia. But can they get through this Pakistan top order? Because no one else has been able to yet. And that's what we want these three test and ODI fast bowlers to do for us, to get early wickets. And if Australia are going to win, they need to get early wickets. The problem is is that if their lengths are exposed by the batsman, Stark generally too full, uh, Hazelwood always on about that length and then comes just short of that length, if the batsmen know what the ball is that's coming at them, then they may just take them apart. Zampa is probably still the key. Um, 
he's been when he's been good, Australia win. When he's been poor, Australia generally lose. So he is a key for Australia's bowling. But Australia's fielding will also be significant. They're the best fielding team in the world still, and when they if they can cut off the easy runs for Pakistan, if they can frustrate the batsmen by only giving them singles and not twos, fours and sixes, then that may well be a contributing factor. At the moment, I st- look, I still think Pakistan will be too good, but you know I've been saying that for weeks leading into the tournament. I've said it all the way through the tournament. I said Australia wouldn't make the semi-finals, and they have. If they do all those things right that I've just mentioned, then they certainly can beat Pakistan. They need to get those top four out very early, I think, for Australia to be any chance of winning this game. And, of course, in the other semi-final, I'm going to back England uh, only because they've had so much experience winning these kind of games over recent years. New Zealand have just been so good as well. That will probably be the best game of the tournament. Uh, I think England will probably get over the line, and hopefully that's enough to put the mockers on them so they don't. Alrighty, that's my World Cup wrap. Thanks for tuning in once again to the program. Hope you'll be back next time. Outside edge, tell your story, walking pal. Australia right on top of you. I love them all. I want to book them. Get them up here. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.